two roads diverged in a woods, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sawson behind the scenes. This quote leads us to our guest today, James Smith. James is the owner of the U of Strength, and I've been a big fan of his work on Instagram. I've been watching from afar, and I actually talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, but I've been trying to have him on the podcast for a long time now, but he doesn't put his name or face anywhere, and I actually didn't find out who he was until he was on Joel Smith's podcast, on Just Fly's podcast, and his methods, it's such a phenomenal way to look at the world of sports performance, to look at the world of developing a human. And he mentions this. And one of the coolest parts of the podcast, he talks about how his first goal is to add a window to the box that most athletes are put in. You are this. You are this size. This is your skill set. This is what you are able to do. They put them in this box. And he's like, my whole goal is to add a window to that box so they can see, oh, There's other stuff that I can do with my body. Oh, I can level up. And when that window's there, we want to add a door. And eventually, we just want to break out of this box mentality of sports performance completely to level up our athletes, to eliminate fear, and to really focus on the four pillars that he talks about during this podcast, four pillars of sports performance, four pillars of human development. And this is one of my favorite podcasts I've had in a long time. Took a bunch of notes on everything from skill acquisition to creativity in our workouts to trying to add more nature into our workouts and just everything that we've been kind of talking about for a while on this podcast now is kind of tied into this podcast. It was a really cool conversation. So I hope you guys get a lot out of it. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF Nutrition and Lifestyle Guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Marcus, you know what to do. Hit that intro music. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, like I mentioned, we were, uh, I was actually trying to find, so I, I found your uh, U of Strength um, Facebook page a while ago, and I was like, man, this stuff is awesome. Like, this is everything that I'm trying to build. You, you have this awesome facility that you're running everything that I'm running out of my little like thousand square foot thing. And I could not find your name for the longest time. And I finally listened to a podcast. I was like on, on Joel Smith's podcast. And I was listening. I was like, wow, this stuff sounds very familiar. I love this. And then they said your company. I was like, oh man, this is, this is the same person. I finally got connected with you. So that was, that was awesome. That was kind of the journey to get you on. No, that's, and that's awesome, dude. And I, and I, I don't know if I do that on purpose. Um, but the big thing is, uh, you know, I, I use that and because I got great, great advice early on where instead of naming it, you know, whatever, Smith Training Systems or Jamie Smith Performance Training, you know, is I really want to create a brand and I want, you know, it's the U of strength and you know exactly what you're going to get when you come to the U. And, you know, whether it's me, whether it's my assistant, you know, no matter what, you know, you, you have this U of strength brand and it's not the Jamie Smith brand. Um, so. I apologize for making it difficult, but I love that we were able to connect and now we can talk shop. Yeah. And, and we talked about kind of the training methods. And this is something that I'm super interested in because if anybody goes to your Instagram page, they're going to see so many different ways to train. You'll, you'll, you'll see people chasing Frisbees. You'll see people jumping on trampolines. Like it, it, it almost seems like a, and it's very similar to the stuff that I do, but it seems like a, almost like a gym class a little bit in the, the warm up part. And 
I'm interested in how you got to this point of sports performance because you we, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast, but you go through the traditional route of strength and strength and conditioning at your CSCS, whatever your pathway is, but it's all very similar. It's like Olympic lift for power, um, strength train, uh, maybe do some linear sprints and then do some cone based stuff for your agility and your set as an athlete. And I love to hear coaches like yourself, like your journey to developing the thought process that you're at today, where the athletes have a much bigger say in creating the environment. And we're actually letting athletes be athletes rather than trying to outsmart everything with our textbooks that we have. So I'd love to hear your journey to how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, and again, early on, it's probably going to sound like a majority of, you know, uh, of the practitioners out there, but you know, I was a college athlete, um, and, uh, fell in love with a weight room a little too much from a traditional sense, uh, and, you know, kept getting hurt. And, you know, before I was the age of 20, you know, I had, you know, four knee surgeries. Um, and it was just, I couldn't do another. They had the, the doc who was a fantastic, fantastic surgeon and, 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 and doctor said, Hey, we can do another one. And I was like, I, and I'm not even 21 yet. And I've already been under the knife four times, you know, within a year. And it was very frustrating, very. And I just, honestly, yeah, I just, I felt safe. I felt at home in the weight room. And so I just, you know, said, Hey, you know, I got to hang up, you know, hang up the, uh, my basketball sneakers. Um, and you know, I'm going to kind of pursue this strength and conditioning path. Um, and I was fortunate, um, that while I was, I, I went to Merrimack college in North Andover, Massachusetts, about 30 minutes North of Boston, Mass. Um, I had, while I was there, I had three different strength coaches. Cause at the time Merrimack now is a, is a division one school. It was division two. So, you know, the budget, uh, and the financial resources were very, very low at the time. So, you know, we had, you know, like I said, I had three different strength coaches, but the third one, and he's still there today, uh, uh, coach Kamal, Mike Kamal. Uh, he did, a his internship and did his early coaching at Mike Boyle strength and conditioning. So from doing an internship at Merrimack, then I got into, you know, the private sector, uh, where, uh, I worked, you know, at, at Boyle's, um, in their second location at the time, which was in, in North Andover, right down the street from the college. So it was perfect. So I got my feet wet in the private sector, you know, through, you know, at the time, you know, one of the best in the industry has been doing it for so long. And from a business standpoint, you can't, you, you literally can't beat them. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then I just wanted to see what, is this what I wanted to do? Did I want to stay in the private sector or did I want to go collegiate professional? So I, 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 I took a chance, reached out, uh, to the university of Connecticut, um, Chris West, who at the time, uh, was the head, uh, strength coach for men's and women's, uh, or excuse me, men's basketball, men's soccer and women's soccer. And, it, that year was one of the best years, just in a sense of building my confidence as a coach. Um, because when he traveled, I was there, I, I was their head guy, uh, whether it was basketball or soccer, it was just very, um, humbling and very, uh, it was a great learning experience for me to, you know, to, to really become a coach and have that identity, uh, uh, you know, that identity as a coach. Um, and we had a ton of success, you know, we won the national championship that year. So it was very, you know, at age, I, I was 23, 22, winning a national championship. It was very, very, it was just, it was an awesome, awesome experience. Unfortunately, um, only way, you know, to kind of get a full-time position there or to further my career in the collegiate or professional, I had to get my master's. And for those that know me, I cannot sit in a classroom. I am constantly, you know, after this conversation, I will get up. I will try some new things out. I always am constantly trying to move, always trying. I, I just can't sit still. So I decide, hey, I'm going to go back up to Massachusetts. And, you know, fortunate, I met someone uh, that got me uh, a, a fantastic position where I ran a youth hockey organization. Um, and the catch was I had to run all of these teams at a basically 600 square foot facility uh, or closet uh, on the third level of the ice rink. Um, and this, I'm talking about, this is 15 teams of 15 to 20 kids, you know, three, four, five teams a night in a 600 square foot. And I'm not joking, a 600 square foot spot. And I just made it work. And that I truly believe, even though at that point I still had that traditional mindset, I got extremely creative with the logistics and how I got every ounce Every square inch of that skating ring, I, I used everything. I literally used everything. Until someone kicked me out, 
I used it, whether it was the stairs, whether it was the hallway, you know, whether it was the locker room, whether it was, you know, the parking, whatever it may be, where the Zambonis were kept. I literally used every square inch of that place, you know, to, to train and to develop athletes. Um, that allowed me to then create, you know, athletes would stick with me in the off season. And that's where I started. And that's how I created the U S strength. Um, so now we're, uh, we are in a 2000, a little over 2000 square foot weight room, but we're also in a, you know, huge sports complex. Um, and part of our deal is that anytime space is open, uh, you know, I, uh, I can use it. So whether it's indoor turf, you know, basketball courts, outdoor turf, outdoor grass, hills you name it we have it here so it's really allowed me uh you know to to evolve um uh you know uh, the things that we can do with the athletes i would say the biggest change i had is when i had my daughter all right because um obviously first and foremost as i say in every podcast i'm a husband and father first this whole you know sport preparation comes second every single time um so when i had my child uh, my daughter Hadley, that's when, you know, just seeing her move, seeing her crawl, seeing her explore, seeing her reach and roll over and stand up and do all these things. Um, it, it, it just, it's almost like I had that, you know, that aha moment where I just started to look at things differently. I looked at, instead of looking at, at the athletes as athletes, I looked at them as human beings or as my own kid. And so it's really, um, when I had my child, that was the biggest thing. That, and then that's when I started to dive down, you know, ecological dynamics, uh, constraints, led approach, dynamical systems theory, nonlinear pedagogy, all these theories and concepts um, where I want to develop awesome human beings because that's what I want to do with my daughter. Why can't I do that with my 18 year old hockey athlete or why can't I do that with my 13 year old female, athlete? whoever it may be. So that honestly is once I had my daughter, man, and, and it was right when I, I had a we, 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 we bought our, we bought a house. I opened up the gym and I had a kid all in basically the same month. <laughs> and so it was kind of, everything was kind of, it was just, it was so chaotic, but I loved the chaos. And so I kind of embraced it and I ran with it. Um, and now you can kind of see a lot of the different ideas. It's obviously very foreign to most coaches, uh, which is fine. Um, but I'm really trying to spread this message that there's, there, there's another way to do things. Um, and there's another way, um, to treat, uh, you know, this athletic development puzzle. So, yeah, that's awesome. Because first I want to touch on the creativity by necessity thing that you mentioned earlier with the small space, because I, I said my, before we were talking before I said my gym was like a thousand square feet, my gym's 500 square feet. So it is, it's the same exact closet that you mentioned. So when you talk about having to be creative, like that, that's a question that I get a lot. It's like, how do you come up with this stuff? It's like, put yourself in a 500 square foot weight room with 10 athletes and try and figure that out. Like you'll be creative. It'll force you to be creative to figure out that entire pathway. But the other part you mentioned is, is watching kids because Dr. Tommy John really got me to like pay attention to this. Cause he was talking about, and one of the things he was talking about was this jump volume and how they'll program like five sets of three and say, that's like your body can't handle anymore. And he'll be like, watch a kid at a playground, like, jump off something 1000 times in an hour. He's like, that kid will literally jump off something, double its height. And I get the force are different, but he's like, they'll jump off something for an hour straight. If you let them and just create, and it's like, and you mentioned this too, before we even started recording, it's like the limits we put on the athletes and the kind of boxes we automatically put that athlete in without really just taking a backward step and looking at what the human body is capable of doing. And I love what you said is like developing awesome humans. Yeah. Oh, oh, 100%, man. And that's so, and I said that I've said this. And so I apologize if, if, you know, if people have listened to other podcasts I talked about, but I'm so damn proud of my child. Um, and so every day we have, you know, we have movement challenges. Um, and a lot of times they're at the playground. We have a, a really cool setup at our house where, you know, we have, we have the playground at our house, you know, whether it's a trampoline rock wall, you know, you name it, monkey bar, all this different stuff. Um, and it's just, it's when you, I tell you, especially early on when I was doing these things, you know, I just watched and I observed and that idea. So it first it started, okay, I'm observing my daughter. And, and again, this is going to sound creepy, but I, I would observe, you know, other kids just moving. And it was just so fascinating seeing the kids, seeing the kids that would be. So one thing with my daughter, when we go to a playground, her shoes are off. We take the shoes off. She is barefoot. I don't care if it's rock, if it's wood, if it's wood chips, if it's sand, if it's grass, I want her feet exposed 
to all the sensory, you know, input. Um, and I know the kids that were barefoot, you could just see, it was just, it was beautiful. It was amazing just to see the things they were capable of doing, the shapes their feet could get into, uh, you know, the positions they could get into while they're hanging, all these different things. It just was fascinating. And so it, it started there really just observing and watching movement behavior. Then that started, okay, you know, whether it was my daughter's soccer, you know, uh, youth soccer games and practices, um, whether it was a, a, a local pickup basketball game, I literally would drive and I'd pull over. I just watch kids move, watch them play, watch, you know, watch them problem solve and compete, sprint, jump, cut, fall, do all these different things. And then, you know, start looking at it in a competitive sense, watching high school sports, you know, watching collegiate sports and watching movement behaviors, not necessarily who's winning or who's losing, not necessarily, okay, how many, you know, points or how many yards is watching movement. It's just the, the, the natural part of movement. Uh, and that's where, honestly, I'm just so, fa- right now, that's what I'm so fascinated is in the human movement system and how, like you said, we put these kids in boxes, whether it's parents, whether it's coaches, whether it's teachers, and whether they know they're doing so or they just don't know, we are putting these kids in the boxes. And when we get a new athlete at the U.S. Strength, very simply, we just say, hey, we want to we wanna put a window in your box. We want to put a door. And then we want to open that door. Then we want to put on, you know, an addition. Then we want to build a complete, and we want to basically knock down all these walls because the human body is, when you, when, when the athlete truly understands that really, you know, the sky is the limit, as cliche as that sounds, the human body is so adaptable, so robust, so resilient. And the minute you, you limit a kid at age eight, at age 10, at age 13, at 15, uh, you're just, you're destroying anything. 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And I don't care if it's athletic based. I don't care if it's uh, academic. I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's family. You are, you're in my opinion, because I truly believe that this is a, a holistic pro, you know, process where uh, you need to take into account all of the subsystems, not just one, uh, you know, one subsystem. Um, we're just doing the kids a disservice. So really, you know, and it's, it's, it's especially young, the younger I, we get the athletes, it's just so cool to see, you know, have a kid do something. And, and this is part of learning, right? We're, we're, we're as trans, as transparent as possible with our athletes, you know, with our older athletes, you know, Hey, we have this idea. This is, this is the theme, or this is the objective. It might work. It might not. I want your feedback. All right. I want to know what you guys are feeling. What are type of problems you're, you're seeing or feeling or hearing? Um, it might work. It might not. All right. And then with the younger athletes, Hey, guess what? You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel awkward. You're going to feel ridiculous. That's part of it. Okay. That is, that's what we want. And it's just, it's so rewarding to have a kid, you know, that can't perform a hang. Say you have like a, a, a nine-year-old that's basically the last, last year has been sitting in front of a TV screen or an iPad screen. Um, and maybe he's a little overweight and literally has a fear of putting his hands or her hands on a, on a, on a monkey bar and just letting the feet go and just support themselves for a second Two, they're winning the competition at the end. And they're going for 60 seconds, 90 seconds too. And, and, and all this is happening in two months, three months. It's just, when you get that smile and I said this before that, that is my, uh, KPI, so to speak. Um, and this might sound a little whatever out there, but that smile is everything that smile and that, and that enjoyment. Cause if that kid is enjoying it, you got them for the rest of the life. You got them hooked on the idea of I'm, I want to be an awesome human being and I want to be an awesome mover. Yeah. That that's so powerful. And I think that's something that people like you talk about being aware of something as a coach. Like I think that is the number one job of a coach is getting them addicted to that process because then it's literally, it affects and it changes their entire life. And that's something that we, we've had athletes, man, that come in and it's like, they've been taught, like you have to land a certain way that you have to do all this stuff when you're jumping to the point of like, they're so scared of jumping and like going in a different spot. And we had actually had an athlete like this, like Anytime we jump, like he was like checking, look over his shoulder to make sure he did it right. And he would not, he wanted to go too high. He went like, he wanted to make sure everything was perfect because it was his entire life. And three months later, we have the same athlete who it's like, I have to tell him to like chill out with some of the stuff he does. We'll do a box bar core and the guy will send a front flip over. And it's like, all right, dude, like, <laughs> that was awesome. But like, maybe when we're on some rocks, maybe like chill out here. But you completely change that kid psychologically of like what he's able to do and thinks he's able to do. And it's not in like three months, you're not changing 
and physically you'll, you'll make some changes, but like, that's such a psychological shift in what he thinks he's capable of doing with his body. And what you think you're capable of doing with your body, you most likely are. And that, that, that's just one of the coolest things that I think is not talked about enough in this field is eliminate the fears with that athlete. Like put that window in that box. Like you mentioned, I don't create that box in the first place. Like we don't have to do that with our athletes. We could have this one of my, like you can have athletes walk around just like, what can I do next? Like that is what you should have them addicted to is what can I do with my body today? What, what is this next step forward? How can I continue to level myself up? And then, like you said, you, you, you have for the rest of their lives, that's how their mindset is rather than, Oh, I got to go train today. You know, like that should never, ever be in that athlete's head. It should not be that thought process. It should, you have to get them addicted to that smile, addicted to enjoying the process of what we're doing. Oh, 100%. And that's a big thing is that when we're, and again, I apologize if I'm saying something, uh, you know, that I've talked about before, but it's so, in my opinion, it's so important. And like you said, it's not, it's not discussed. It's not emphasized. Um, but anytime we're designing a, a, a movement plan or a program design, you know, we have these, you know, four pillars where you got the physical, psychological, emotional, and social. And in my opinion, they are all interconnected. All right. And you can't just focus on one and let the other three kind of, you know, to, and put them to the side. They're all interconnected. And it's, it's like you said, that psychological is going to affect that emotional, which then is going to affect that social, which is then going to affect that physical. And it's, it's just, it's so, um, and again, like I said, I'm so transparent with the kids and the parents and the coaches and, and explaining to them, you know, very simply that it's, this isn't just going to happen overnight. All right. This is, in my opinion, a nonlinear process. This is, there's going to be ups and downs. Um, and it's just, when we have those downs, that's where that enjoyment, that's where, you know, you know, just falling in love with, with movement is just so important. And that's something we teach, you know, with our seven-year-olds, our eight-year-olds. Um, and it's a, it's a con common, you know, a constant and common message that we try to, we try to share. Um, it's just so important. You just can't have one and, and, and ignore the others. You got to have them all. They all have to be, in my opinion, they all have to be taken into consideration when, when working with an athlete. And I don't care who you are. It could be what we do. It could be, a, 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 a you know, a teacher, you know, in, in, you know, in elementary school, it could be a mom or dad that's trying to, you know, teach their son or daughter to catch in the backyard. It could be a varsity basketball coach. I don't care who it is. These four components are so, so important to, to, like I said, to build awesome human beings. And when you're going about creating, you, you talked about creating your movement plan and making sure all four of these pillars are in place. What is the actual process of doing that? It, like, is it just being aware that we need to watch all our athletes and make sure these four pillars are hit on? Or are you implementing, hey, for this 10 minutes, we're going to get we're going to implement this type of game because we know it's fun and know it's going to work on the emotional pillar. And then we're going to go into more of the physical pillar. Like, how are you building out that movement plan to make sure all four of those things? And so it's not just something that we say, but it's something that we actually implement. Yeah, absolutely. So. So when I'm designing it, yes. So I, I'll, I'll uh, so I can uh, basically two different ways. So when I'm designing it, you know, it could be because context is everything, right? And 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 I hate that it depends. Answer, um, but so for example, let's say um, you know we have our fundamental level, um, which is basically seven to eleven, seven to ten, seven to eleven years old. When we first start off, all right, the first thing we do is uh, when an athlete comes in. Um, we, we get them to interact with one another. And the, the objective is just to build awareness of, 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 of different shapes of different stances. Um, and so we can do it very simple where they're literally just playing catch with one another, but early on. So I'm taking these kind of four different kind of, uh, you know, the four different pillars, so to speak into consideration. A lot of times in our setting, you know, when we start a new program, there's always buddies, right? There's always friends. So when they first start off, okay, okay, we're going to partner up and they know the kids know that when they first come in, we are doing something, it's going to be a partner type or a team-based activity. Um, maybe early on, you know, they're with their buddy. Right. So they're still, you know, they're still comfortable in the sense that I'm not putting them, you know, with a stranger, so to speak. I'm not putting them with someone that they don't know. Um, but over time, you know, I could very easily just say, OK, stay with your friend. 
you know, and keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. But we don't. We strategically, we want them to change the partners. We want them to change, you know, we, we have kids. Fortunately for us is that we have kids from all walks of life. So we have different cultural backgrounds. We have different economic backgrounds. We have different uh, sporting backgrounds. And so we want them, you know, interacting. We want them right at the beginning, you know, uh, you know, in a sense, working together or challenging one another, depending on how we're, uh, you know, depending on the task. Um, and we do that right, right from the start. And it could just, like I said, be as simple as, okay, guys, we're playing catch and you need to, we're going to start on a two leg stance. You know, you can choose how wide or how close you want to be. Um, it could be a single leg stance. It could be a lateral squat stance, a split squat, whatever, whatever the shape we're trying to do. And literally your task is to stay in that shape and you're playing catch. Or maybe you're getting the kids love this. You get a noodle and you guys are wailing on each other and you're trying to perturb them. Or maybe we're using, we're doing something new now where we're, we're doing, uh, because we look at everything as a skill set, right? Um, and so catching, in my opinion, is a very uh, important skill that every athlete needs to understand. And so we'll do different things where they have to catch with a, a different kinds of implements, whether it's kind of like a net type, uh, 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 not a lacrosse stick, but like a, like a really mini lacrosse stick, whether it's a Velcro paddle, whether it's a, you know, uh, just a regular paddle, whatever it may be, uh, we're giving kids some implements to challenge that skill of catching. But anyway, so early, so early on, you know, it's, it could be very easy. Kids come in and foam roll or kids come in, um, and do these static stretches and everything is in isolation. We don't, we want them to come in and we want them, you know, every it's, it's, it's task orientated. They have a partner, so they have to interact with another human being. Um, and you can see, sometimes you can see these kids, sometimes these kids are, uh, you know, whether they're in a bad mood, whether they can't sit still, whether, you know, there's a, a host of things, you know, uh, especially at that level, it's, you never know what type of kid's going to come in. But the biggest thing is just getting them to interact, getting them, you know, especially early on, it's, it's to complete a common goal. Um, and then as they, you know, build some experience, then, okay, maybe it's, we're going to start to challenge you a little bit more uh, where, you know, the partner's trying to cause you to lose balance. Uh, or the partners trying to distract you, um, and we're changing those partners. So, like, so, so basically, so in a nutshell, that would be a very simple way for our younger athletes to make sure the physical. Okay, we're doing some isometric stances. We're working on catching, whatever the skill may be. Uh, the psychological, you know, from a uh, you know from a, a perceptual standpoint. All right, we're you know whether we're 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 catching something or whether we're needing to, we're needing to evade or avoid something, getting hit by the noodle. Um, you know, and then the, the, the emotional, you know, when people it's literally, it's, they think it's a party in here with how, you know, the, how excited the kids are. Um, you know, so many times I'll get parents that come in and say, is this a strength and conditioning gym? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. I'm like, but yeah, we're, 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 we're all about, you know, athletic development and making movement fun again. Um, and then the social side, obviously you're interacting with, with different types of kids. And, and we will, um, so we will do it like that, where we will strategically make sure all four of those pillars are inside an activity uh, or, or uh, a task. But we'll also, I like to use those four as when I'm, when I'm obser observing. So we videotape everything, um, you know, whether it's our speed or literally, I, and I always joke with, with my assistant, Ryan Wood, that I need to get someone else in here just to videotape. I got over 55,000 videos on my phone alone and another 20,000 videos on my computer. It's crazy. Like I literally videotape everything. And this is where I really come with all these, come up with these ideas. Uh, but anyways, I'll look in, you know, I'll watch, say we're doing a simple, um, say it's a, a very simple uh, 3v3 uh, game, any type of 3v3 game where, you know, you, you, you have a you have teammates. And so early on, you'll look and instead of saying, okay, that kid doesn't have good acceleration shapes. Okay. That kid, you know, his, his head is down. That kid is, it's, it, you know, it's phys, it, all this, these physical, uh, uh, you know, the physical system, you know, a lot of times I'm going to look in, okay, that kid, if, if, if in that group, say it's a group of, of, of six kids and we're doing a three V three, those, and I'll pay attention to this. Those five kids have been here. They know each other. They're comfortable with each other. But this one kid is completely new. And you'll see how that affects and influences his movement behaviors. And so instead of saying, hey, athlete A, we need to work on, uh, you know, your knee punch or we need to make sure that we're projecting our hips or good arm action. 
we, you know, we will complete, well, okay, let's do a game. Let's get them enjoying. Let's get them comfortable. You know, we will change it right, you know, right on the, you know, for the, whether it's, I see it and I'm like, Hey, this isn't something that's, it's, it's not going to work out. We'll change it right then and there, or the next thing where we have planned, I'll scrap it and we'll do something very, very simple where it's a one V one where they just have to interact with one other person. And it's more just getting them comfortable. And I know that seems so silly, but like I, like we just talked about, you build that, 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 that mental state and you, you in court, you really truly take into account these four things, everything, you know, it's just, everything takes care of itself. I don't know if that answers the question, but. No, that was awesome. Cause that, that's something that I talk about all the time is, and it, it's like, you mentioned, like you're watching this, you're watching this three V three game, whatever the, the, the situation is, you're watching it. And like you said, like a lot of coaches will be like, well, that guy's losing cause of acceleration. That guy's losing cause of speed. But when you look at it in this realm, you could have, and we've had this before, like we've had an athlete that we, we have all of his sprinting numbers. And it's like, well, in the game, he's slow, but in the sprinting numbers, he's beating everybody straight line sprint. Like he's beating everybody. So in one sense, you're going to say he's slow. And then one coach would be like, whatever. Okay. We're just going to work speed with him. But you have these sprinting numbers to back up. Like that's not his issue. Like let's not spend time there. You put them back into a 1v1 situation like, all right, what if we slow, we slow everything down? It, it's not at this big space. And you're like, all right, now he's dominating again. So it's not speed. It looks like speed in the game itself. But if you actually pay attention and watch and look at these four pillars that you mentioned, you're starting to understand maybe it's him, like you said, being comfortable with his teammates and doing that. Or maybe it's the, the tactical understanding of now there's more space in his life and he, he's not really sure what to do with it. But anyways, now you're able to work on what that athlete is actually weak in rather than the traditional method that you've seen for so long of, all right, he looks slow on the field. Let's go take and work on his acceleration and max velocity circuits. And for some athletes, that is the issue for some athletes. Maybe they are slow and that they're, they're comfortable in all this space. Maybe that is the issue, but you, you have this athlete. We've had this situation before. It's, it's not speed. We're going to waste our time working on speed more with him. Let, let, let's actually work on where he's weak and get him to become a better athlete. Like you said, level him up. Like we, we want to. I can't agree. Absolutely. And it's, it's in that same athlete. And that's why, you know, and it's, you know, I think a lot of it's, it is a lot of work and I'm not going to lie. You know, there's been a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of, you know, long days, um, trying to, you know, truly offer these kids the best possible experience that I can. Um, and it's, 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 it's ever changing in my opinion, you know, sometimes it might be psychological, some more maybe perceptual or maybe decision-making, there might be some type of deficit there. It might be social, it might be physical and it might Monday, it might be physical. And then next Tuesday, it might be psychological, you know, and it's just trying to truly, you know, observe, watch, listen. Um, and then just, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, and I know because we can't measure these things. So a lot of coaches are like, oh, if it's not measured, it's a waste of time. Um, or there isn't, you know, all this literature to back it up. It's a waste of time. I just think from my experience, and obviously this is all anecdotal. It's just those are, that's, especially with the developmental athlete, those are more meaningful. Those are more impactful for the rest of their athletic journey. Um, but I completely, I, I, I completely, I completely agree, but there's no, it's not just because of, because of my, you know, my understanding of how, how people and how, you know, individuals learn. It's just, you know, it's, it's always changing and it's always, it's never going to be just this one thing. It's never going to be just this one fix. And then my job is done. It's never done. And one of the things that I actually kind of want to dive into, I know that it's the four, there's four aspects, but I want to dive into the physical aspect with you because you mentioned something that I think isn't talked about enough and it is the kind of skill acquisition. And you said that you look at everything in skill sets, like the skill of catching, probably the skill of throwing, the skill of sprinting, the skill of squatting and looking at these in the light of acquiring and mastering a skill, creating a holistic thrower, creating a holistic catcher that is able to get in all these positions and catch is something that I think if there's one thing that would be the, probably the easiest to implement, if you don't want to go into the woo-woo-y of the four, uh, four model that we talked about, the four pillar model that we talked about, you don't even want to go into that, but you just want to focus on the physical. I feel like this is something that we could implement right away in so many schools, so many places, and we don't even look at it. Like we don't, there, you, I, I bring it up, I, my, I have a little cousin that he had some success. He, I think he's eight years old. He's had some success in little league baseball. 
and now everybody like is trying to have him play baseball all year long and just throw like this one five ounce baseball. Like, it's like, man, we should have that kid throwing rocks. We should have him catching footballs like in all and this is a whole nother rant, but trying to create holistic skill sets like that. How, how do you go about that? How do you view it in that light? Like what's kind of your approach there? Cause I think that's something that again, maybe in our circles is talked about a lot, but if you take a step out of that circle, skill acquisition and learning really is not talked about at all. It's all about more weight, faster change direction. That that's what they talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, I, I like I said, I look at everything as a skill. Um, if it's, whether it's crawling, catching, landing, somersaulting, uh, uh, squatting, bench pressing, uh, you know, bounding, whatever it may be, curves, accelerating, you know, whatever it is, I look at it, you know, at, at everything as a skill and it's an opportunity. And, and then to take it a step further, every rep is an opportunity for that athlete to learn that skill. Um, and so we honestly like literally, and I don't care what level it is, we are incorporating all these different skills. Let's say for the, again, to kind of give context, let's say for the, to, for the younger athlete back to that fundamental level, you know, it could be, like I said, we're just focusing on the skill of, of, of catching. Right. And so in my opinion, you know, that's, we want them to explore and we want them to find different ways to catch with the strong side, catch with the weak side, you know, catch from a bounce, catch from, you know, the ball's thrown very high, you know, catch uh, uh, a big heavy ball, catch a small ball, catch a football, catch a Frisbee. Um, literally, if you look in our weight room, I, I think I counted and, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think we have 375 different ball types. All right. And it's, it's literally, and this all comes back to literally from my, from, from, from my daughter and my experience with my daughter and just, it just exposed just different ways to, to, to catch. All right. And the same idea with throwing the same idea with kicking. Um, and so we, we, we don't just stop there with that fundamental. We'll do that same idea and we will apply it to, you know, a traditional, split squat or lunge pattern. Okay. I will say this though. It's, it's not like, okay, let's say our, so our, our oldest, our oldest level, we call them our, it's, it's, it's our peak level. And so this is basically 19 years or older. Um, and most of these kids have five, six, seven, eight plus years with me specifically. This isn't something where, okay, we're going to do a max effort, uh, you know, one rep max, and I'm going to have them explore different bar speeds, or I'm going to have them explore, you know, different, uh, stance widths, or I'm going to have them explore different foot pressures. No, that's, that's idiotic. All right. And there's a time and place to do that. And we still do that. You know, we still incorporate, you know, more of that physical, more of that output focused, um, type training that's still in our programs. And we still focus on that, but there's also a time and place. Okay. Maybe on the warm up sets or what we call our, our, our prep sets, Maybe, uh, you know, on our, our, our faster, more dynamic effort days, we might have, say, it's an isometric emphasis. Okay, I, every rep, you're going to change where you're going to pause. Uh, you know, that two-second isometric, you're going to change where you're going to pause. Or maybe, okay, we're going to hit that disadvantageous, that deeper range, but every set you need to change, whether it's one, two, three, four, five-second isometric, you need to change the duration of the isometric. Um, or maybe it's, if it's more of a, a, a concentric focus, all right, I want you to explore different ranges of motion. Yes, we do partial squats. Yes, we do full range squats. Yes, we do all these different things, but there's a time and place, uh, you know, to allow that exploration, to allow that, you know, that what we call focused variability um, and that concept of repetition without repetition. But that does not mean that we are doing that, you know, with, you know, a, an absurd amount of weight. Um I don't know if that answers it, but, but basically we look at everything. And then when we look at say, let's take even another step in a different direction where, all right, let's say we still sprint our athletes. Right. Um, and so I still find a ton of value in acceleration doing closed traditional accelerations, curves, sprinting, and max velocity. Those three skills are so freaking important. All right. And we still do it, but instead of, okay, first person up. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's say we're doing, uh, okay. Say, say we're doing curve sprinting, right. To kind of do something different that maybe some people aren't familiar with. Uh, so with curve sprinting, typically we'll use, we keep it very simple, but we use different, different circles on the turf. So we have big bends, we have small bends. Um, we might very simple say, okay. And depending on the kid, we might have a 10 yard option, a 15 yard option and a 20 yard option. 
And so we'll, we'll help the, we'll guide the guys. Okay. Your twenties, your tens, your fifteens, but you also have a partner. All right. And every time you go, you're going to have resistance coming from a different, whether it's coming from the inside and it's kind of helping you work on that shape, work on that, you know, weight distribution between outside leg and inside leg with a different pro, you know, pronation, supination idea, whether that person is freaking wailing on you and trying to get you off that line, whether that person's behind you. Okay. And really trying to, uh, you know, overspeed, so to speak, um, whether they're in front of you and trying to get in your way. Uh, so every rep, okay, you need to change where that partner's resistance is, or let's make it even very, even simpler. Let's say we're doing acceleration, right? And everyone is doing 20 yard accelerations. This in a straight line. Okay. Uh, uh, on the first rep, I want you guys. So today guys, the focus is on, we're going to change our arm position. I don't care what you do, but every rep, I don't want this perfect arm action. Maybe you hug yourself. Maybe it's two arms overhead. Maybe it's big circles. Hell, maybe you do the YMCA while you're sprinting. But I'm being serious. So every rep, we're changing some aspects as simple as a linear 20-yard acceleration. We're incorporating some some type of uh, variability or some type of um, challenge, uh, you know, to the system, uh, you know, to help teach these kids. Maybe it's footwear. That's something a lot of people, um, I get questions on where I'll have kids just change. Maybe you put your right shoe on your left foot and your left shoe on your right foot. And now, and that left shoe on your right foot is tied and the other shoe isn't tied. Okay. So it's just, it's constantly just giving these challenges. Um, and again, it's pretty freaking cool when you, when you see a kid that's wearing shoes, when you see someone that's walking by and the kid's got two different shoes, you know, sometimes at the looks I get, it's pretty funny. But when you see these videos, you wouldn't even know he's got shoes on different feet. His sprinting is, it, it's just, I get so many, uh, I get questions. Okay. You must work with football athletes. Most of our videos come from hockey, come from basketball and, uh, BMX riders. Okay. And, and it's just giving them this, this, uh, this bandwidth. All right. The younger they are, maybe it's a smaller bandwidth, but then the older they get, getting this movement bandwidth to explore and to try different things. Because guess what? If you watch, let's say a lacrosse game, you want to see some crazy shapes, some crazy angles, and some crazy velocities and collisions, all right? Look at ice hockey. Good Lord, man. It's unbelievable, and they're in, in such a confined space. Um, yeah, so yeah, everything's a skill, and every rep's a learning opportunity. Well, and I think that's one of the th- crazy things, too, is you can have an athlete that – like how adaptable can you make an athlete? Because you'll bring some of these athletes that have had like the private sector. And I think I see it a little bit more in the private sector because I have private sector kids that were private sector before. And now this is their first like wild private sector experience rather than like the, the a skips robotic kind of portion of training. And you'll put them on grass for the first time. This is like, it'll be grass for the first time. They've been turf their entire life, turf, turf, turf. And you put them on grass. And even that, because it's the first thing, first different stimulus. And it, like it ruins their, everything about their sprinting, everything about their mindset of how fast they're going to run. And it's like, if that small change, I guess it's not that small, but if that small change is messing with you, what about something in a game where somebody's purposely trying to make an adaptable Dude, That's a pretty small change. I mean, that's a very minor change. If you look at it, you know, uh, you know, all the different variables, like you said, come, come game day. Um, especially in the, and I don't mean to cut you off, so I apologize, but especially in this, in, in this day and age where, okay, kids have to be wearing masks kids. So, so, you know, communication is tough now, you know, in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a chaotic competitive environment, um, rules are changing, right? Literally when I found out with some of these bat, our, our high school basketball season, how they changed, you know, some of these, it's just, it, it's completely changing the game. But the athletes that work at the U, train at the U, whatever is thrown at them, all right, let's do it. Let's play. Let's go. Because um, that's the biggest thing is that is, like I said, every every rep is a, uh, every rep's a learning opportunity. But because I want to, I look at every athlete, okay, they, everyone comes in with a toolbox, right? And it's that, 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 that simple analogy. And I want to, you know, start building, giving them those tools. But I want to grow a big ass toolbox and I want them to have the best toolbox in their school, on their street, you know, in their, uh, you know, in their university. And I want whatever, whatever the, the, the task or the problem is, I got a tool. Boom. I got the tool. I got the next tool. Oh, you figure that out. Oh, no, nope, I got another tool for the same job. That's how I look at it. 
Well, that, that, that's the funny thing too, is you said like, as soon as they figure out a tool or they, they, they got that part mastered, they show up the next day and you're like, God, I just figured this out. Now I got a new environment for me. And that's something that I'm interested in actually. And this is probably the last question before we get to the rapid fire rounds, but how you balance that chaotic approach. Cause this is something selfishly that I think about a lot is like, how are you balancing the chaotic approach of we're going to change up the sprints. We're going to change up the loading pattern. Like we're changing all of this up. And I think I value that so much to try and create an adaptable athlete with the kind of, is it just being on like with the order based of like, we want to show them that they're faster. Maybe you want to show a coach, maybe that they're stronger. Like how are you balancing all of this variation with the typical, numbers that we want to show and is, maybe it is just hey these numbers don't matter as much but i know there's also parents and coaches especially in the private sector Absolutely. that are going to want these numbers so how, how are you balancing that approach i changed my mindset and i truly mean less is more and when i say less it's quality is more and so we might you know and again it's 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 depending on when that kid comes in it's depending on okay you know you know how are they feeling where's their mood you know how much extra stress, how much extra fatigue has been put on them, you know, yesterday, uh, the morning of, or the, the, the weekend, uh, uh, the previous weekend. So we, 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 we kind of look at all these different, and I know it's probably not the time to explain all of our different ways that we, we try to collect this subjective and objective information, but we do. And we still, um, what I have found, um, is that you don't, and I've seen some crazy, crazy things with some, with some of these athletes where, you know, we might, you know, do literally on our, so every, to give you context. So how, how we organize our traditional way is that I, I follow a, um, a low high model. So we consolidate stressors on our low days. All right. That's going to be more gameplay. That's going to be more exploration. That's going to be more creativity. That's going to be uh, more, you know, uh, uh, upper body, uh, focus in the weight room. That's going to be more auxiliary and assistant type stuff in the weight room. Um, that might be more med ball throws. That might be, uh, you know, depending on the year, if we're following a four day protocol, you know, that might be our tempo day. Cause I still like tempos and we have so many different ways that we build these extensive tempos. Cause I think extensive tempo is just another form of, cause I'm a huge fan of plyometrics and I'm a huge fan of teaching athletes how to transfer, you know, transport and redirect forces and transfer energy, et cetera, and being rhythmic and being bouncy. I think that that's something that's underutilized and it's truly a skill that, that ability to be elastic, but to be elastic, not just straight ahead, you know, in all different directions and force vectors and speeds, et cetera. Um, so a low day would be that. And then a high day would be, you know, maybe it's more your traditional max effort or dynamic effort type, um, you know, type movements. It might be more traditional speed where we'll have an emphasis, whether we're focusing on acceleration, curve sprinting, max velocity. Um, and then that will also be kind of our problem solving where we're trying to, and I, and I know a lot of people, when they say representative, um, because of the situation I I'm in, I try to be as representative as I can. I'll have athletes, like I said, of all walks of life, I can't be truly representative, but what I can do is I can create situations and, and, and problems that I truly feel that is potentially that they are going to see, feel, uh, or hear, you know, in their, in their sport. So whether that's different one V ones, two V twos, you know, maybe it's an offensive disadvantageous situation where maybe it's a three defenders against one person on offense. Maybe we're really focusing on team synergies and it's a five V five. Maybe it's a, it's a one V one, but we really want to induce stress by, by really, by adding collisions. Maybe we want to use fatigue as a constraint and we want to use uh, uh, we call it repeatability or work capacity or conditioning where we use fatigue as the main constraint to influence these problems and these solutions. Um, so that would be kind of, and then our, our, our traditional plyometric type stuff will be on these high days as well. So we run this kind of low high, uh, cause we always start the week off low. Um, what I have found because we do so many different things, if you understand that the human being, it doesn't matter if you're squ- and, and this is for team sport athletes, or this is just a developmental athlete, right? They are going to get stronger doing a, 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 an in-place ankle jump. Okay. Cause what is strong, right? You need to define strong. In my opinion, strength is, is displayed in so many different ways and we can't just be strong one way. Right. In my opinion, because I've done that way personally, and I've been a competitive powerlifter and I had to have two hip re I had to have one hip re, uh, reconstruction surgery and then one to kind of, and then a second one to kind of fix it up a little bit. 
And it, that didn't work. It didn't work to just overload and overload and overload and overload. The human body is just, it, it wants all these different things, in my opinion. Um, so it's, it, it is a balancing act, but if you realize that you don't need to do 10 different movements, you don't need to do, uh, uh, you know, an A1, a B1, B2, a C1, C2, a D1, D2, and then, okay, let's get an E block in two of all these different exercises, in my opinion. Okay. You can get a lot of doing two movements. I have athletes that will do hand supported split squats with 600 plus pounds for a triple. Okay. I have athletes that are bench pressing their body weight for sets of 10. I have athletes that are overhead pressing and this, these are 16, 17, 18 year olds. And we're not spending three hours in the weight room doing 10 by 10 or doing some of these, in my opinion, uh, you know, uh, dangerous protocols. Um, you can get a lot with 30 minutes of, of really getting after two movements, three movements. So really depending on the day, depending on, you know, as we start to get closer. So let's just get into an offset. Uh, uh, let's get back into a traditional mindset. So we're in an off season, right? And as we're getting closer to this, as we're getting closer to their, the start of their season, all right, we're going to be doing more as we call representative. I know it's not truly representative, but it's as representative as I can get especially with my logistics and my situation, we're going to be spending more time in these problem solving situations. We're going to be spending more time, you know, moving at high, high speeds. Cause what's a commonality. A lot of times, you know, when you get to that next level, every coach, I want to fast speed, 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 speed. And I disagree with that um, because it's, it's more about game speed in my opinion, but it, it's, it's, it's not okay. Doing, you know, a diet, you know, uh, a squat and putting a tendo unit on it and doing it at a certain, you know, uh, meters per second, go out and sprint, go out and spend some time sprinting. Um, uh, so that, you know, we might just do one movement. If we're spending time doing flying tens, if we're spending time, uh, you know, doing a, a 20 minute or even 30 minute problem solving activity, where it's we're adding all these collisions and perturbations. Okay, guys, today we want to focus on um, uh, 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 it's going to be a slower day. So it's like a max effort day, potentially. Uh, we're going to focus more single bent leg shapes with a full foot or more of a heel dominant movement. Because in our weight room, we like to organize things by shapes, not necessarily movement patterns, not necessarily body parts, but we like to look at shapes in the sense of, of is it, uh, you know, bent leg? Is it more straight leg? Is it forefoot dominant? Is it, is it more heel dominant? Is it more inside edge and pronation dominant, et cetera? Um, and we might just do one movement. You know, we might attack the hell out of it. We might do that one movement a bunch of different ways for 20 and, and, and then we move on. But these guys are getting stronger because you're, 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 you're applying, you know, we're sprinting, we're cutting, we're doing all these different things. So, so how I'll leave it is that you can get strong a million different ways. Okay. That's why there's so many gyms. There's so many strength and conditioning facilities. There's so many boxes. There's so many of these private studios because I'm sorry, getting someone stronger is the easiest thing to do on the planet. Okay. And if you understand that mindset and you understand that there's just not one way to get someone stronger, there's a million different ways to do it. Um, and the athlete is going to be happy and the athlete's going to be feeling better. And the athlete is actually going to be more productive in life, not sport, in life, then it's okay with me. So I don't think that I can do enough of that stuff, to be honest. And I say this, you guys are coming to me because I'm building, I'm, I'm trying to help you become an awesome human. All right. And barbells and, 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 and it, I wish I could show you the weight room. I have every specialty bar known to man. Okay. I'm a huge, I love the weight room. You know, I got, you know, competition deadlift bars and squat bars. I got, you know, neutral American bars. I got fat bars. I got over big size trap bars. I got safety squat bars. I got everything you can think of. Okay. I got chains. I got bands. I got everything, but it's just one tool in our toolbox. All right. And there's just so many different ways to build a complete athlete than just saying, all right, I got him to 405. He's in the 500 pound club or he's doing this. And that's great. And that's cool. And that's going to happen over time because newsflash, a lot of these developmental athletes, their hormones are going through the roof. No matter what you throw at them, they're going to get stronger. And that's great. And that's fantastic. But I think that us as, as practitioners, as coaches, as teachers, um, and as honestly, as, as, as facilitators, we need to show these younger athletes and these developmental athletes, uh, there's much more to this because it's just going to benefit them down the road.
Yeah, coach, that that rant was freaking phenomenal. I took like a whole page of notes just on that, that, that rant. That was awesome. One thing, uh, can you clarify a little bit? You said in the low days, you, you have games, you'll do games. And then the high days, you have your problem solving. What's the difference between your game based activities and your problem solving? activities? Yeah, so, so the game is is very similar. It's very simple to, to, to prime all systems, right? So it's kind of that potentiation idea where, all right, it's all about, it's all about play. It's all about having fun. It's all about competing. It's all about, and, and, and the game is going to be appropriate. So when we have a new athlete, it might just be a simple one V one game where we might use hula hoops and it's a simple tag. One person's offense trying to evade one person's defense and is trying to tag and they're trying to get around the hula hoops or they're trying to jump or duck through and they're trying, you just can't hit the hula hoop. That's a very simple 1v1 game that, you know, is very, it's non-stress. It's very, very low stress. But it's the smile. It's the laughter. It's the talking shit. It's, it's just getting all of it. Because, again, those four pillars, it's getting all those systems revved to go and primed to go for what we have upcoming for the rest of the week. But as we get going and as these kids get more uh, awareness and prepared and, and have an understanding of all these different things we do, you know, that might be a simple 5v5 Frisbee game where their task, it's a free-flowing game. We might do two 10-minute halves, and their task is to throw the Frisbee into a lacrosse net. And they can have a goalie. They don't have to have a goalie. You know, it can be physical. It can be whatever. And it's just go. And it's just very – so the big difference with games is I have very minimal constraints. And honestly, a lot of times – and I don't share this much, but I let the athletes come up with the rules on those days. Um, And then the other days where I'll have something very specific in mind – um, where it's okay, we're going to do a, 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 a two v two situation, but I want that, that second defender is going to be starting outside the, the, the line of sight or the visual field of the offense. Cause I want that pressure coming from behind because I want to see what type of problems emerge. And I want to see how, how the offense handles, you know, that pressure from, from their back hit. So that'd be something that's very specific. And I'd be like, uh, uh, on a high day, but as we get that going, if I get, if an athlete comes to me and says, Hey, if we change this this is actually probably going to be better run with it. Go, let's see what happens. Let's see what emerges. Cause a lot, a lot of times we can end on this. All my ideas come from watching hours and hours and hours of videos and just listening to my athletes, listening, making them part of the process and truly valuing what they're saying. Yeah. Coach, that, that's awesome. We could go on rants about that all day, but I know you have to go. So let's finish with the rapid fire rounds here. And this, uh, this first one is kind of your favorite books. Uh, I would love to hear your favorite books on just your favorite books in general, but also some of the favorite books that you think the listeners can kind of read to dive into your thought process that you talked about today. Okay. So I hate reading. <laughs> and I'm just being, I'm being honest. I love watching, listening and, 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 uh, and experimenting and moving and doing these things. But what I will say, read everything that Keith David's uh, uh, anything that comes out of his mouth, anything that he writes, anything that um, is, you know, his video, just listen to Keith Davids. Um, I think he's brilliant. I think um, he, he just gets it. And all those things are theory and concept based, but I've, uh, he's been a game changer. And he, he's one person that I hope at some point in my life, I can just say thank you to. Um, I have a ton of respect for that guy. And just what he does is just, it's, it's fantastic. And it's just, again, it's just a, it's another way to look at this learning process. For books that I'm currently reading, okay, and, and when I say this, this is probably going to take me a year to get through these books, but um, I have them right here. So Bernstein's Construction of Movements, this is this is something that um, uh, it finally got translated. This is all of his thoughts, his ideas, things that he predicted, things that um, he was wrong about. Everything is in here. It is extremely difficult. It's a tough read because um, from I understand uh, how – how he took his notes, everything was a long sentence. He didn't break things up. It wasn't, and he had his own language, which is in my, it's fascinating. And I just, it's, it's amazing to go back however long ago it was and just to see the mindset this guy had and the intuition he had and the, and the balls he had and the, I just think it's so cool. But anyways, so this, I, I got a couple months ago, uh, I'm on page 10 to be real, to be honest. Um, I just, I have so many other things going on, but anyways, Bernstein's construction of movements. Um, the brain always wins. All right. I'm just fascinating with, 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 with you know, with the brain. Um, and it's just such a complex thing. Um, and, and then the last one movement that heals and looking at primitive reflexes and just looking, uh, you know, at some of these just natural movements. 
So those are the three books I'm reading and I'm probably combined at maybe like 24 pages. I, I can't sit still, dude. Um, I'm constantly like after this talk, I just thought of an idea. I'm going to go out and try it. Um, I'll call one of my athletes to come in before our three o'clock group a little bit earlier so we can test it out. That's just how I, that's how I, how I, um, how I learn and how I, you know, how I try to get better. So. I love that. That, that, that was awesome, coach. I'm probably going to buy all three of those books and we'll try and read them. Uh, next question. Uh, and this is something I love asking coaches like yourself, who is, uh, maybe it is Keith, Keith Davids. Maybe that's the answer, but who's a guest that you think we should have on the podcast to take us down some of these rabbit holes? Oh, absolutely. If, if you can get a hold of him, absolutely, dude. He's a legend. Yeah. Uh, Keith, uh, 100%. I, I would say Keith Davids. He is one, um, I just love the way he looks at learning and I love the way he it's, he gets it, man. And it's just something that, you know, and it's all of the, and, I, and I'm sorry for kind of, you know, going different directions, but all of the really good coaches, and I don't care if you're the Bill Belichick of the world, um, or if you're, you know, a, a, you know, a, uh, a lifelong AAU coach, whoever you are, all the good coaches, they already practice a lot of these ideas. They just don't know they're doing it. You know, I can still remember one of my my basketball coaches when I was in high school. Um, you know, he followed a constraints led approach, but he had no freaking clue what it was. But he understood that I couldn't just do it one way every single time. And it's and he understood that if he constantly was shouting at me, I did not respond well to that. Um, so it's a lot of these good coaches are already practicing a lot of these things. Um, but yeah, Keith, Keith, Keith Davids is something he 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 just he, he just puts it into the, he just gets it, man. It's just, he's, he's a fascinating, I love everything, everything he does. Um, and another person I'm not sure if you connected with, cause I'm fascinated right now with, uh, with just connecting with the environment is Ray Kelly. Oh yeah. And, and really, you know, looking at how I can use the environment, uh, you know, to, to influence and to help with these different, you know, movement behaviors. And it could just be simple as, okay, we're going to, you know, uh, you know, walk up rocks or we're, we're going to, like I said, have that snowball fight, you know, just connecting with the environment and the importance of sunlight and the importance of getting out of blue light and the important, all these different things, getting back to connecting. Cause that's the next thing when I, when I, um, expand or, uh, you know, uh, change locations i want to make sure i have some type of access to woods i want to have access you know to to be able to somehow make this an everyday you know it's part of our program it's part of our pre-training where we get outside and we do something um but yeah get get him on he's uh both of those guys very very fascinating so we had rafe on three months ago and oh, i good, good, good. blew my mind that dude is a freaking genius yeah it's 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 and it's in a lot of people okay it's different it's very different, but it's, he gets it. And it's just, it's so cool to see some of the stuff that he's doing with these. Cause like, you know, seeing people freaking climb and crawl up freaking huge trees or on the beach and do, jumping over these rocks and over, you know, it's just, it's so cool. And it's just, it's, it's something we need to bring back to, to, to our culture. And it's something that I think is missing. Okay, we're going to go on a treadmill. Okay, we're going to go do this workout of the day. We're going to go do this stuff. And I'm not saying that stuff is bad, but I think we can be a lot more productive and a lot more efficient if we get outside and start to interact with some, what Mother Nature has to offer. Yeah, I, I just posted on the Instagram. Uh, we we brought these. We there was like these big ass rocks, and we're just like, let let's do our box parkour. Box parkour is just a parkour type thing. Yeah, oh I my, got you. Yeah, let's just do the box parkour on these rocks. And like there was just like just like your snowball day that you mentioned, like one of the best days energy wise we've ever had. And they spent like I had to like peel them away from like, all right, let's, we have to do something else for this set. We don't have to, but I was like, all right, probably time to do something else for this session. Like they wanted to spend that entire hour 30 session on those rocks. And it was just like, we, 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 we do a creative plyo course. So we'll do different types of different types of plyometrics. And we use, and I've, I've done some posts on that too, where we'll do, we'll use these big boulders that have different shapes, different edges, different textures. We'll do our, our force acceptance type drills, you know, whether depth drops or altitude landings, we'll do those on the rocks. We throw rocks. I've done a post on that where we get rid of the med balls and we throw freaking heavy rocks uh, or light rocks or small rocks or big rocks, you know? So yeah, dude, it's fantastic. And it's just, it, you, you, you don't realize until you do it, how much these kids and how much the, the, the athletes really enjoy this stuff. Boom. And last question on the podcast. Yep. When, when all of this kind of coaching is over, what do you kind of want your legacy to be? All I care about is that, uh, I supported my wife. 
I supported my daughter and I gave the tools to my daughter to be an awesome human being and that she can pass that on to her kids and then they can pass that on to, to their kids. And it's just a never ending, a never ending process. I give two shits about the U of strength. I give two shits about sport performance. I give two, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about me as an individual. I just want to make sure I did everything I can to support my wife and to give my daughter, you know, the best opportunity to grow and just be a great person. Well, boom, coach. Thank you for being on, man. This was freaking awesome. You lived up to the hype that I've been, I've been like, oh, this is going to be an awesome podcast and you completely lived up to the hype. So thank you for being on. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. This was fantastic. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.